Let us stand and turn and face the processional cross at the back of the sanctuary. And we join together in the responsive verses that are there for us. Behold the life-giving cross on which was hung the salvation of the world. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, by way of the cross. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, by the nails and thirst. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, by the blood that stained the holy cross. Come, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now sits in the right hand of the throne of God. You may be seated for personal quiet reflection and meditation. We join together in singing. Oh, it 
Let us stand as we join together in the invocation and the confession of our sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. We gather before God, remembering the cross in sorrow and in shame. We seek his forgiveness, strength, and mercy, knowing that he is a just God. We remember the day of our Savior's death. We mourn and struggle to understand the depth of Christ's love, that he should suffer and die in our place. Father, our hearts are heavy as we gather in the name of Christ, bearing witness to the terror of his crucifixion, knowing that we are guilty sinners, deserving of your judgment and punishment, but in need of your forgiveness, life, and salvation. We, all like sheep, have gone astray, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Christ, our Savior, has died for our sins. At times we have failed to strive against evil in the world. At times we have denied our Lord, and at times we have betrayed him. At this time I invite you to be seated. As you came in with the order of service, you received uh, one of these uh, little slips with Jesus takes away my sin. We've had a practice we have used a number of years on Good Friday, which is on the back of these sheets, you might write down uh, those sins that you would like to lay before the throne of God's grace. Some people actually write them out. Others might write abbreviations. Others might think on them and then bring them forward. But we're giving you this opportunity, if you would like to do that, to bring them, them forward, nail them to the cross, and then this evening I will take them home without reading them, and I will burn them, knowing that Christ indeed has taken away our sin, never again to be before his face. So we take this time for our own true reflection and nailing of those sins to the cross of Christ.
God our Father in heaven has heard the confession of our sins. And in his justice there was punishment. But Jesus took it upon himself for us. Therefore rejoice. For through the crucified Jesus Christ we have received God's grace and mercy and all of our sins are forgiven. Let us pray together. Almighty God, you have graciously showered your favor upon us. Move us to cherish Jesus' willingness to be given into the hands of sinners, to suffer torment upon a cross, and even to die in our place, that we may have abundant and eternal life through the same Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you in Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Testament reading today is from the book of Isaiah the prophet chapter 52 and 53 
Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what they heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, and stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich man his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors.
Our first gospel reading is in the Gospel of John, chapter 19. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. Our reading continues in John. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be King of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who gets it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, 
his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. The reading now recorded in John 19, 28 through 37. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, 
put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may also believe. These things happen so that scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones was broken, and as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. This is the gospel of our Lord. reading from the Gospel of John, we have the recorded account of Jesus' crucifixion. But not only Jesus' crucifixion, we also have the recorded account of the two criminals who were hung there with him. We don't exactly know why they were there. We don't exactly know what their crime was. We don't know if it was theft. We don't know if it was murder. We don't know if it was some other vile thing that they had done to break the law of the land. But what we do know is being hung on the cross was the sentence of the Roman government, a sentence for one who had broken the laws against fellow citizens, against those in authority, and against the law. Being crucified was the just sentence for one who had done such. And so being hung on the cross 
was justice. History tells us that the crucifixion used by the Romans was used to instill fear. It was meant to be public. It was meant where that individual, what they had done, their litany of sins, they would be made known to all. It is where there would be ridicule, there would be judgment. People would spit upon those who were headed to that hill called Golgotha. It was meant to be brutal. And it was meant to bring about the ultimate judgment for what one had done with great suffering. For without a doubt, the message of the cross was you get what you deserve. You get what you deserve. That is justice. And so it remains. Not just at that time, but today as well. For as we gather today and for all people, the reality is we have broken God's law. We have failed to live according to his commandments. We have failed to live as his children. And because we have broken his law, justice must be served. When I was a boy growing up, I knew my dad provided for us. I knew my dad loved us. But I also knew that when something was done that shouldn't have been, I knew there would be a consequence. There was never, ever any hoping, maybe he won't punish me this time. Maybe I won't get a spanking. Maybe I won't be grounded. Maybe those privileges dad takes away won't be taken away. No. With five kids in the household, if my dad were just to let things slip by, if he would just allow us to kind of, you know, let those things just kind of disappear, I can only imagine the kind of household we would have had with five of us running around and the chaos that would have ensued. But our father was a just dad. If we did wrong, we would get confronted by him about what we had done. And not only that, there would be indeed a judgment and a punishment. Justice would be served. Much like in our justice system, if one is found guilty of breaking the law, there is a consequence for justice to be served for the benefit of all. The Roman cross in Jesus' day was meant to conjure up fear. But the cross in the eyes of God did not have that intent. Instead, the cross in the eyes of God was to convey his love. The cross was to convey his love because rather than you and me suffering the justice that we deserved, God 
offered his own son, Jesus Christ, to step in, to take our place, to take our punishment, and to die. The justice of the cross is consistent with the very character of God, God's character of love. Love for his children rather than seeing them separated from him for all eternity. Love for his children rather than see them suffer the consequences and the punishment of their sin. The cross is consistent with the love of God for you and for me. But why did it have to be a cross? Why did it have to be something so vile, so terrible? Well, consider these words from Romans chapter 5. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Picture those criminals on the cross next to Jesus. Consider how helpless they were hanging there. What is more weak, my friends, or what is more helpless than someone near death? So absolutely, positively, hanging on the cross, there was nothing they could do to help themselves. Helpless, powerless. And so it is with us. The scripture teaches us, as we've read, very rarely will anyone die for the ungodly. Why should they? They deserve it, they're getting what they deserve, but one might die for someone good, but not for one who is ungodly, not for one who is unrighteous. Yet, here, Jesus does just that. Again, verse 6. Christ died for the ungodly. Undeserved, indeed. Again, justice will be served. Listen again. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet still sinners, while we were helpless, while we were without hope, while we were getting what we deserved, Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly and undeserving thieves on the cross, and Christ died for you and for me. We do not deserve his mercy. We do not deserve his compassion, offering himself to die for us. 
And you know what? He didn't even do it because we believe. He didn't even do it hoping we might believe. He did it purely because he is a just and a loving God. It is his very character. And that aligns with his covenant of love toward all his people. You know the words of the repentant thief as he's referred to on the cross to the other are words for us. Do you not fear God? For you are under the same judgment. But you and I today both accept that judgment for ourselves, and then may we rejoice knowing that Jesus has satisfied a just God. Amen. Now let us stand and join together in the litany of prayer we find in the service folder. Jesus, Son of God and Redeemer of the world, Jesus sold by Judas for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus betrayed by a friend with a kiss. Jesus bound by the soldiers and forsaken by the disciples. Jesus accused by false witnesses. Jesus found guilty and sentenced to death. Jesus spit upon blindfolded, and struck in the face. Jesus denied three times by Peter. Jesus rejected in favor of Barabbas. Jesus whipped and bruised for our sins. Jesus covered with a scarlet robe and crowned with thorns. Jesus demanded for crucifixion by your own people. Jesus laden with the heavy weight of the cross. Jesus stripped of your garments and nailed to the cross. Jesus declaring yourself forsaken by the cross. Jesus crying out in agony that it is finished. Jesus, pierced with a spear, taken down from the cross and laid in the tomb. Jesus, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world may be seated.
John 19, 38 through 42. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. 